Throughout history, stories have captured our attention. There are stories that spark laughter, stories that bring us to tears, stories that inspire us, and some that lead to fear. But the best stories, the stories that change us, are the ones that teach truth, eternal truth. Bible, I want to encourage you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 18. We're going to begin in verse 21. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. If you don't have a Bible, don't worry about it. We're going to have the words on the screen as we look at the third story in this series on the stories that Jesus told. Matthew chapter 18, beginning in verse 21. Listen to what, what it says. Then Peter came to him and, and asked, Lord, how, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. And in reality, that could be translated billions, even trillions. Of dollars as we'll see in a few minutes he couldn't pay so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife his children and, and everything he owned to pay the debt but the man fell down before his master and begged him please be patient with me I will pay it all then his master was filled with pity or compassion for him and he and he released him and forgave his debt and when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time, be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until his debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Couldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you. If you refuse to forgive your brother and sisters from your heart. I heard about a man who was, was feeling awful. He was feeling terrible. And, and so he went to the doctor and the doctor did some tests. And, and then he went out to, to look at the test and to consult with some other doctors. And, and after a little bit of time, he came back in and he had this solemn, this somber look on his face. And he said, I don't know how to tell you this, but but you have rabies, and you're going to die. Well, the man sat there in shock. He was silent. He, he didn't say a word, and after a few minutes, he asked for a pen and, and a piece of paper, and he started writing 
and riding and riding as fast as he could. And, and the doctor said, what are you riding? Your will? And he said, no, I'm making a list of everyone I want to bite. Have you ever felt that way? I mean, I have. Over 35 years of ministry, I've been cussed out. I've been chewed out. I've been slandered. I've been misrepresented. I've been misunderstood. I've had my children talked about. I've had my wife talked about. And all that has been in the church. I'm here to tell you, if I had rabies and somehow my bite could infect other people, I would have my list. And I imagine you would too. And that's one of the reasons that Jesus talks so often about forgiveness. Because at some point in our lives, and probably many points in our lives, we're going to have to choose to forgive, or we're going to have to choose to hold on to unforgiveness. It may be an employer who has wronged you, a friend who has betrayed you, a parent who has abused you, or a spouse who has deserted you. For some of us, our forgiveness is always there. It never leaves us. I read about a Holocaust survivor who said this. He said, if you could lick my heart, it would poison you. Our hurt and, and our unforgiveness has literally become a a bitterness that has infected every area of our lives. For others of us, forgiveness is, is something that, that comes and goes, but whenever we hear a certain word or phrase or we see a certain thing or a certain individual, we relive the hurt, we relive the pain of the past. Somehow, some way, what has happened to us in the past comes flooding back into our memories. But I think all of us would agree, when it comes to forgiveness, it's a whole lot easier to want forgiveness when we've done something wrong to someone else than it is to give forgiveness when someone has done something wrong to us. C.S. Lewis, who is one of my favorite authors, said this. He says, forgiveness is a lovely idea until you need to forgive someone else. And that's true, isn't it? I mean, when we've done something to someone else and we want them to forgive us, it's a wonderful idea, it's a lovely idea. But when someone has hurt us, when someone has done something to us, then forgiveness becomes a little more difficult. Now, before we go any further, I, I think we probably need to define that term. What is Forgiveness. Well, biblically, forgiveness is both a legal and a financial term. Legally, it means to release from an obligation. Someone is obligated to you for something, and you release them from that obligation. Financially, it means to cancel a debt. Someone owes you something, and you cancel the debt. Biblically, forgiveness is the decision the decision to release someone from the debt they owe and the blame they deserve because of a hurt, a pain, or a loss that they have caused. You're releasing someone from a debt they owe. They owe you a debt, but you release them. They have hurt you. They have caused you pain. They have caused you loss. 
but you release them from that debt. That word forgiveness is found 146 times in the New Testament. When someone does us wrong, they are in our debt. And our forgiveness is the willingness to simply write off that debt. It is the willingness to say to a person that has wronged you, you don't owe me anything anymore. Now some of you are probably saying, well you don't know what so-and-so has done to me. And you're right. I don't know what someone has done to you. But here's what I do know. I do know what it's like to be slandered. I do know what it is like to be misrepresented. I do know what it is like to have someone owe you and not pay you. I know what all of those things are like, and I know what it takes to forgive them. And forgiveness, I think, if we're honest, is tough. And so that's where this story comes in, where Jesus deals with forgiveness. Now let me give you a little bit of background, if I can, the context of the story. Jesus had just told his disciples what they are supposed to do when another believer sins against them. Jesus said you're to go to them, you're to talk to them, you are to deal with your hurt. And so when someone sins against you, when someone owes you a debt, you go to them, you talk to them, you deal with it. And so Peter, being Peter, asked the question. He says, how many times am I supposed to forgive them? How many times am I supposed to go to the person that has sinned against me and deal with this? I mean, there's got to be a limit to it. Now, the religious leaders of Jesus' day said, you're to do it three times. If someone sins against you, someone does you wrong, you go to them one time, you go to them a second time, you go to them a third time, and after the third time, you can get even with them. You don't need to forgive them anymore. And so Peter, being Peter, knew that Jesus would take it further than the religious leaders. And so Peter said, Lord, how many times should we forgive? Seven times? He took the amount that the religious leaders did, three, multiplied it by two, six, and added one on for good measure. Now, some of you are probably saying, well, what was Peter doing? Was Peter trying to figure out how many times he was supposed to forgive? No, Peter was trying to figure out when could he get even. Peter wanted to know, when is that time that I can say enough is enough, no more, you're mine. I'm going to get even now. And that's where Jesus told Peter a truth. He told Peter, Peter, forgiveness is not about arithmetic. Peter, forgiveness is not about mathematics. Forgiveness is not about addition and subtraction. Forgiveness is about a change of heart. Because Jesus said, you don't forgive seven times. You forgive 70 times seven times 490 times now Jesus wasn't saying you forgive 490 and you keep your ledger and when someone has gone over 490 then you can get even that's not what Jesus is saying Jesus is saying you forgive and 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 before long you're going to lose count and you just keep on forgiving people over and over 
and over. You never stop forgiving people. And then Jesus tells a story. And in this story, he reveals both an eternal truth and a practical truth. An eternal truth that has implications for where you and I will spend eternity. But a practical truth that has implications in regard to how we're going to live here on planet earth. Now first of all, the eternal truth. Jesus began by saying the kingdom of heaven is like a king who decides to settle accounts with his servants. And I want you to know that the Bible says that one day the king of kings, the Lord of lords, Jesus, is going to settle accounts with everyone. But in the process of bringing all of his servants and looking at the ledgers, the king discovers that there is one man that owes him 10,000 talents. That's what it says in the Greek. He owes him 10,000 talents. Now, in the economy of that day, a man would have to work 20 years to earn one talent. Let that sink in. This man owed the king 10,000 talents. You would have to work 20 years to make one talent. He owed 10,000 talents. In other words, he would have to work for 200,000 years to pay off his debt. That, that phrase, 10,000, 10,000 was the largest number that the Greek language had a word for. And so what Jesus was saying was not, this man owes a debt that will take him 200,000 years to pay. No, Jesus was saying, this man owes a debt that is impossible to pay. To put it into perspective, the provinces of Idumea, Judea, and Samaria, the provinces that were around the area in which Jesus lived, the entire revenue of those three provinces was 600 talents a year. The entire revenue of every single person that lived in those three provinces was only 600 talents. This man owed 10,000 talents. The bottom line is, this was an unpayable debt. So the king ordered the man, his wife, his children, and everything he owned to be sold. Now, that would not pay off the debt. This was an unpayable debt. But the king said, well, at least I will collect some of the money that is owed me. But the man fell down, and he began to beg, and he cried out for mercy, and he said, just give me some time. Now, we already know that time would not pay this debt. It was an unpayable debt. It would take him 200,000 years working to pay off this debt. But the Bible says that the king had pity on him. The word literally is compassion. The king had compassion on him, and he released him. And he forgave his debt. He wrote off his debt. He didn't say, okay, I'm going to release you. And we're going to work out a payment plan where every year you can pay so much back to me to help me recoup my loss. No, Jesus released him, it says in this story, and he forgave his debt. 
Now, what does that teach us? Two things. First of all, we owe a debt we could never pay. You owe a debt you could never pay. You have sinned against your Creator. You have looked your Creator in the eye, and you have said, I don't want you, I don't need you, I don't believe in you. We have refused to follow His Word. We have rejected His will. And somehow, some way, we have convinced ourselves that we know better than God. We have convinced ourselves that our plan is better than God's plan. Our way is better than God's way. And listen, it's not like this is an argument taking place between two equals. We have rejected the one who made us from nothing. Somehow, some way, we have convinced ourselves that we can be the king or the queen of our own life. And that is nothing short of treason. And the truth of the matter is, it's worse than treason. It is the height of arrogance. We, we hear the term narcissism today. We look at different people and, and we say that they are narcissists. This is the height of narcissism. When we somehow, some way think that we have a right to rule our own life. Somehow, some way, we have a right to make our own decisions. And we forget that there is a creator who made us for a purpose. And in case you're saying, well, I haven't done that, I haven't, rebelled against God, I haven't rejected God, the Bible says we've all sinned. The Bible says there is no one righteous, there is no one good. The Bible says everyone has gone their own way. Not some of us, not most of us, but all of us. And the Bible says the payment of our sin, our rebellion is death. Physical death, spiritual death, eternal death we are told the soul that sins will die and in case you're sitting there right now and you're thinking well I'll just straighten up my life I'm gonna start living for God I'm gonna start working hard and trying to be the spiritual man I need to be or the spiritual woman I need to be the Bible says it's not by works so that no one can boast we have already piled up a debt that is greater than we can pay no matter how hard we try or how good we are or how spiritual we become, we owe a debt we cannot pay. That's the first truth this teaches. You owe God far more than 10,000 talents. You've rebelled against Him, and there is nothing you can do to pay for your crime. But there's good news. And the good news is this. Through Jesus, our debt has been forgiven. You see, Jesus, God's Son, came to this earth for one reason. Jesus came to this earth to pay our sin debt. Jesus didn't come to teach us incredible truths. Jesus didn't come to heal the sick. Jesus didn't come to perform miracles. Jesus didn't come to set an example. Jesus came to die. Jesus came to die for your sin. He came to die for my sin. That's why he came. And so on the cross, as he was dying, Jesus cried out, Father, forgive them. Forgive them? 
Forgive the ones who had you arrested. Forgive the ones that beat you. Forgive the ones that mocked you. Forgive the ones that whipped you until the flesh was hanging from your body. Forgive the ones who nailed you to the cross. Yes, forgive them. Forgive them. Forgive the ones who had you arrested. Forgive the ones who falsely accused you. Forgive the ones who rejected you. Forgive the ones who said all kind of evil things against you. Yes, forgive them. Forgive them. Forgive those who are not yet born for all the evil, wicked, vile, selfish, self-centered things they will ever do. Yes, forgive them. That's why Jesus came. Jesus came because you and I owed a debt, a sin debt that we could never pay. Jesus came for one purpose, and that is so that we could experience forgiveness from God. Later on, Paul is preaching, and preaching, and Paul says, through Jesus, there is forgiveness for our sins. But listen, it's only through Jesus. The only way that you and I can ever have forgiveness and ever have the hope of eternal life is through the forgiveness of that was bought for us on the cross. So the eternal truth, you owe a debt you could never pay. I owe a debt I could never pay. But praise God, through Jesus, there is forgiveness from our sin. And so may I ask you before we go any further, have you been forgiven? Do you know that your sins have been wiped out? Do you know that your record has been cleansed, expunged? Let me tell you, this isn't something where you say, I hope so. This is something that you better know so. This is a big deal. Because there is coming a day when the king is going to settle accounts. And everyone who has been covered by the blood of Jesus and have received the forgiveness that only he can give, is going to have eternal life. And those who have not will experience eternal death, the eternal truth. But then Jesus gives a practical truth. The same servant who had, who had just been forgiven of this unpayable debt finds this fellow servant who owes him about three months' wages. And when he finds the servant, he grabs him by the neck. And demands his money immediately. The fellow servant begs him for mercy. The same thing that he did with the king. But instead of giving him mercy, he throws him in prison until his debt can be paid. And when the fellow servants see this, they're mortified. They're upset. Because they know the forgiveness that this servant had just received. And so they went to the king. And they told the king. And the king was livid. And listen to what it says. He said, you evil servant. I forgave you that tremendous debt. And you refused to have mercy. Then he threw him in prison to be tortured until the debt was paid. 
Now listen, Jesus wasn't teaching that God will forgive us and, and then somehow take back his forgiveness. God doesn't do that. But Jesus was teaching two profound truths. The first truth is this. Forgiveness experienced should become forgiveness expressed. Let me say that again. Forgiveness experienced should become experience express or forgiveness expressed. The Bible makes it clear in Ephesians 4, verse 31 and following, it says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, listen, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. Later on, he said in Colossians 3, verse 12, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy, dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Bear with each other. Forgive whatever grievance you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Those of us who are Christians are called to be forgiving. And we are to forgive whatever grievances in other words we're to forgive everything and then and then he reminds us we are to forgive just like Jesus forgave us Stephen is a perfect example of how I believe God wants us to put this into action Stephen is being stoned put to death for preaching the message about Jesus and as he was dying he cried out, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. As they were killing him, he was forgiving them. The truth of the matter is, our forgiveness of others has eternal consequences. When Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray, he said this in, in that prayer. He said, forgive us our sins as... We have forgiven those who sin against us. But then he went on to say, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive you your sins. Don't chew on that for just a minute. I don't know about you, but when I come across verses like that, they catch my attention. I have to stop. I mean, Jesus said, you forgive others, and your heavenly father will forgive you you don't forgive others and your heavenly father will not forgive you I mean that's not something that you can just casually read over that's something that you better camp out on I mean this has this has serious implications in this life and in the next Jesus is saying if you don't forgive God's not gonna forgive you if you forgive he will forgive you. If you don't forgive, you will not be forgiven. Now what does that mean? Listen up. Jesus isn't saying that we get forgiven by forgiving. What he is saying is those who have been forgiven will be forgiving people. Let me say that again. Jesus is not saying that we get forgiven forgiven by being forgiving 
He is saying that if we have been forgiven, we will be forgiving people. The truth of the matter is, if we do not have the ability to forgive other people when they do wrong to us, we most likely have not experienced the amazing forgiveness of God that has been shown to us. And that's just a fact. When we have been forgiven, we will be able to look at someone no matter what they have done, no matter how bad they have hurt us, and we will be able to say with an honest and sincere heart, I forgive you. There's an example I want to show you. A lady experienced the kind of tragedy that we should never have to go through. She lost her daughter to a drunk driver. And yet in the midst of this process, she forgave that person. And that person's life was forever changed. I want you to listen and watch this story just quickly. That day, the day that I met Renee, the woman whose story inspired my song, Forgiveness. Renee's story was about how she lost her daughter. Her daughter was killed by a drunk driver. That drunk driver was a 24-year-old kid named Eric. Eric was sentenced to 22 years in prison for the crime he committed. I'm really sorry to the families for what I've done. I would give my life. I would honestly give my life if I could to bring them back to you. After Renee lost her daughter, she said she found herself in the darkest place she'd ever been. This guy Eric was behind bars, but she said she felt like the prisoner. Why? Because she had all this bitterness and hatred built up towards that young man who stole a life of her daughter. Slowly but surely, God began to work, and he brought Renee out of that dark place. I knew that was my moment, because he was sitting right there, that I had to, to look him in the eyes, and I had to say, I forgive you. At that moment, it was like the healing began. Today, a mother who lost her daughter eight years ago to a drunk driver and the man behind the wheel of that vehicle joined together to speak to local students. When they give me a hug and, and they share their stories with me, it just it just lets me know that they can relate to me and that they understand that you don't have to be a bad person, you just have to make a bad choice. Now here's where the story comes full circle. We went on tour this fall with the Into the Light tour. We played forgiveness every night and Renee was a special guest at many of the shows and she shared her story with the audience in person. We did four shows in Florida, the state where Eric is currently in prison. And I was blown away when the Department of Corrections agreed to allow Eric to attend all four of those concerts. Tell you what, if you ever wondered what forgiveness looks like, what redemption looks like, what a miracle looks like, what healing looks like, what victory looks like, what freedom looks like, I can think of no better picture than what you're seeing on this video. Renee and 11 of her family members each took turns standing before a judge and speaking on Eric's behalf. They asked the judge to cut his sentence in half so that he could start a second chance at life. The judge had never made this decision before, but after hearing Renee and everyone speak on his behalf, he agreed 
to cut Eric's sentence in half. Forgiveness, it changed it all around, and it, it let an inmate out. And as the song said, it set a prisoner free. And I might only be free for tonight, and I might have to go back to a prison, but I've been one of the most free prisoners in the world. Our unforgiveness will imprison us and torture us. The bitterness that it will cause, the pain that it will bring to our relationships will be like a prison. And it will torture our souls. How do we get relief? Well, we release the person who has wronged us no matter what that wrong is. I want you to listen to what Jesus said as he was wrapping this up in verse 35. He talks about, about throwing that, that man in prison and torturing him, and he says, that's what my heavenly Father will do if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Our forgiveness should compel us to forgive others. And if we've really experienced it, We'll be able to, regardless of what hurt or pain or torment they have brought in our life. That's the power of God's forgiveness. That story, it was not only the woman and her family that were released from prison. It was not only the, the man that eventually was released from prison. That man gave his life to Jesus because of that unconditional love and forgiveness came through that family have you experienced God's forgiveness if you have it's changed your life the Bible says that when, when we've experienced God's forgiveness he makes everything new he calls it a new birth a fresh start a new beginning we are new in Christ and he gives us an ability and even a desire to live in a way that we've never lived before. That's God's forgiveness in our life. Have you experienced forgiveness? I'm here to tell you you'll never be able to forgive others until you've truly experienced that forgiveness yourself. So would you just bow your head with me right now, close your eyes, head bowed, eyes closed all over this room. Let's not look around. And I want to invite you. You may be here this morning and you've never humbled yourself and received the forgiveness and the grace that comes only through Jesus Christ. And I want to invite you this morning to ask for his forgiveness. Trust Jesus to save you. Give your life to him and let him change you and make you new. That's what he can do. And so if you're here and you've never done this, really done it, want to this morning, let me encourage you to say this prayer with all your heart to God. Dear God, I humbly come to you this morning asking you to forgive me. I've sinned against you. I've rejected you. I've rebelled against you. I'm sorry. I'm tired of living life my way. I don't want to live this way anymore. Jesus, I believe you came to this earth. You died on a cross. You 
rose from the grave so that I could be forgiven. Today, I'm trusting you to save me. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Change me. Take control. Make me new. From this moment on, Jesus, I want to live for you. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing me. Thank you for saving me.